Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Tom Myers versus the rest of the world election night special. At the time of recording, nearly 100 million people have already cast early ballots. And as this episode is airing, polls are already starting to close in some parts of the country. We may not know the result by the end of the night or even the end of the next major court battle. So if you're listening to this after election night, allow me to welcome you to Grand Theft Election 2020, a Tom Myers versus the rest of the world special. (laughs) We have 232,000 people who have died from complications due to COVID-19, which makes Donald Trump and Mike Pence the first pro-life administration responsible for the deaths of 232,000 Americans not killed in military action. A bunch of boats waving Trump flags in Texas ended up sinking. I think it makes a great sequel to Jaws. It will be the first Jaws movie where I root for the shark. (laughs) I, for one, don't mind all the Trump 2020 flags. It lets me know which of my neighbors are douchebags. 
I've been saying for months that Joe Biden is the perfect Democrat to take on Donald Trump. This is because they are both so gaff-prone that, during a debate, each one can recognize when the other is having a stroke. My environmental policy is different from the Green New Deal because I throw in the word malarkey a lot and name drop Barack Obama. And now I can't feel the right side of my body. <laughs> if Joe Biden is not left-wing enough for you, you don't have that many options. There is the Republican-backed by way of Russian intelligence agency's Green Party with its presidential candidate, Howie Hawkins. Howie. Howie is not the name of a world leader. Howie is your neighbor's nine-year-old kid who tries to sell you $5 chocolate bars so his soccer team can go play in a tournament out of state. <laughs> Would you like to buy a chocolate bar, Chancellor Merkel? <laughs> I tried to write some jokes about the libertarians, but then I came to the conclusion that they should be able to write them without help from anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> On with the show. Please join me in welcoming our panelists, Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and JJ Boyd. Hey, everybody. Hello. 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 JJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, my friend. The commute from the couch was a killer, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on uh, this election coming up? I presume you have some, otherwise, you wouldn't have made such a long commute to be here. Yeah. The, my thoughts are I've never in my life have felt such a division in this country and I'm just I'm hoping obviously I'm, I'm praying for a democratic win but whatever happens I'm hoping that we can find a way to start working together but that's like you know that's like hoping Santa Claus brings you a Ferrari down the down the chimney it's not gonna happen I don't think I don't see it you know but that's that's a that's a dream I have Abby how about yourself sorry uh, I'm terrified I am very very afraid I'm very scared that's how I feel. That's literally the most rational thing I've heard this entire election season. I refilled my Xanax prescription yesterday. That's how I feel. Jeff, how about you? I was thinking about it today. Uh, Nate Silver has Joe Biden with between an 88 and 90% chance. There's been no change in the polling toward Trump as opposed to 2016, when at this point there was a clear trend toward Trump. That's not happening. There are multiple paths for Joe to win tonight. There's one path for Trump tonight. COVID's getting worse, despite what Trump says, and the public knows that. Trump doesn't have a closing message other than to fire Fauci, who the public likes more than any of them. Uh, he's not luring undecideds. He's not luring lean Bidens to his camp. There's no Comey bombshell. There's poll after poll of good news. I've told you all that, and I'm petrified. Well, so, you know uh, what? I mean, it's, uh, you know, living in the age of the apocalypse. It's just, it's something new. We've been watching those movies for years and now we're actually experiencing it. The one good thing is that I've been working out harder because the longer I spend working out, the less time I have to watch MSNBC and watch Twitter. So I spend more time exercising. But what I've been doing, and I just did this tonight, I, before I started this, I went out grocery shopping. I picked up a lot of frozen dinners. Like I bought a lot of uh, juice, soda, bottled water, snacks, stuff like that. So I'm ready to hunker down in case anything hits the fan. So basically, I'm just guns, ammo, and racist literature away from being in a militia. <laughs> you know, it's funny with what Jeff said. Um, I think what's terrifying is that the way this administration has stacked the cards against the constitution, against the will of the people, against morality, is that you know all these good signs, 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I really believe that Biden will pull it off. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed for the Senate to be taken. My That's my my out is that God forbid he loses the presidency or we lose the presidency. If we can maintain the House and keep and then take the Senate, that's you know the, the Southern District of New York is just waiting with bated breath to to get their hands on him. And if we can impeach him and remove him and he's legally not the president, even if he sits there going, my, 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 mine. The Southern District of New York has got their, they're ready to pounce on him. So that's in the wings also. Joining us tonight to discuss the election, former Maryland Democratic Party chair, Susan Turnbull. Good to be with you, Tom, and everybody. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Good uh, to be with you. reason I brought you on tonight is because you've been involved in politics for a long time. I think when I first met you, you were the Maryland Democratic Party chair. You, I think, were vice chair of the Democratic National Committee, worked a lot on the Obama campaign. And mm-hmm. most recently, you were the candidate for lieutenant governor in Maryland. So mm-hmm. if there's anybody I wanted to have on on an election night program, it's certainly you. Well, so thank you. Your thoughts on, uh, on this election? Well, this is pretty different considering the fact that in years past, I'd be wherever the presidential candidate was, to be perfectly honest. In 2000, I was in Nashville, 2004, Boston, 2008, Chicago, and um, in 2016, New York. So for all of us who are longtime campaign folks, being home on a Zoom or multiple Zooms tonight with friends is a little different a little different. And I think that that's what COVID does for you. The most reliable group of voters has always been and will for the time being be seniors. Every so often they could be talked into supporting a candidate who will, during a deadly pandemic, make them go against their own interests and literally congregate themselves into an early death. Here's Donald Trump speaking to a group of seniors in Fort Myers, Florida. My message to America's seniors today is one of optimism, confidence, and hope. Your sacrifice has not been in vain. The light at the end of the tunnel is near. We are rounding the turn. I say that all the time. Some of the media doesn't like hearing it, but I say it all the time. We're rounding that turn. Don't say light at the end of the tunnel when you're talking to a group of seniors. Yeah, they'll walk into it. Unbelievable. Dead man's turn. That was inside. He didn't leave them stranded in the cold in that round. Typically, Democratic candidates garner the lion's share of celebrity endorsements. There are some who will endorse a Republican candidate for office, as we can see from this clip of a cringeworthy rendition of the Star Spangled Banner as performed at a Trump rally by Ted Nugent.
and grade it again. Won't we? Live it up. Have a great season. Kill lots of shit. Kill lots of shit is coincidentally Trump's immigration policy. Oh. Is that song called Cat Scratch COVID? <laughs> wow. Wow. That was, uh, wow. That's that's really going to do very well with a senior vote, don't you yeah. think? <laughs> well, I like how Ted Nugent talks to his audience like they're children, especially where he goes, won't we? Michigan's going to be great, won't it? Yes, it will. Well, you know, Tommy has a long history of being very interested in underaged people. So that doesn't surprise me. That was just the most painful rendition of that. I, I mean, literally, after the first 15 seconds, it was just like him going, thinking he was on stage at like Woodstock or something. Ooh. Well, no, the, the version at Woodstock was actually good. Yeah. <laughs> well, he already had the brown acid. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like I could imagine, like, you know, even the most hardcore, you know, red blooded American who loves hearing the national anthem, even they would hear about 15 seconds of that and go, okay, that's enough. Well, the funny thing is, I, again, playing trumpet and the, the youth activity is music. You know, all you hear a lot of times from the extreme right is, you know, just play the damn tune. Stop embellishing about that. I mean, that wasn't even the whole, that barely started out to be the Star Spangled Banner and ended up some kind of like Stevie Ray Vaughan just did three triple somersaults in his grave over that. It was horrible. <laughs> if it's any consolation, I did have mercy on you guys and I edited that clip. <laughs> oh, God bless your soul. <laughs> Never one to turn down a large audience in the midst of a growing health crisis, the likes we haven't seen in modern history. Donald Trump did an interview slash telephone rally with Rush Limbaugh. To you, music lovers, thrill seekers, and conversationalists all across the fruited plain, welcome to the Rush Limbaugh program. Mr. President, it is a distinct honor and privilege to have you with us. And I want you to do something for me, sir. Go ahead. I want you to imagine you have just landed in a gleaming, majestic Air Force One to the largest radio rally in history. Instead of thousands cheering as you walk up to the stage, there are millions and millions of patriots out there right now anxiously awaiting to hear from you. No doubt they're waving Trump flags, wearing their bright red MAGA hats proudly. This, sir, is a mega, MAGA rally, and we are all thrilled to be with you today. We are so glad you're doing better, and welcome to the EIB Network. Anyone else feel sick right now? <laughs> well, I, I know some things about uh, Rush Limbaugh's audience. I think a good chunk of them are the media watchdog types. So if he actually has those people in his rally, that might be the first Trump rally where a whole bunch of people will yell, fuck you. When he when he mentioned millions, uh, I don't, are there really millions of people listening to his show? I think he just wanted to say it like that because that's the way Trump says it. He's become so Trumpified, like millions and millions of people. No, patriots, millions and millions of patriots. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. God forbid I get that term mixed up. I also yeah. really enjoy it. I the good the news of millions of his supporters sitting around a radio waving flags and wearing <laughs> MAGA hats as if he can see them. But think of this after tonight, after tonight, this may be over. 
Oh, and they, and they can just have each other. For the first couple of nights, the Republican National Convention was held virtually. Once it was pulled from two sites, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Florida, local businesses bemoaned the loss of a potential money-making event. The only people celebrating those losses were the people who cleaned the rooms at Mar-a-Lago, as it meant no scrubbing sexually repressed sperm off the hotel room ceilings. Oh. <laughs> a virtual convention can make for awkward moments, as we can see from this segment from campaign advisor and Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. You are capable. You are qualified, you are powerful, and you have the ability to choose your life and determine your destiny. That, that was the that was this human voice equivalent of of Ted Nugent's song. Yeah, and that is her speaking into an empty room. I would hate to be in a bar where she's singing karaoke. Like, like she could make that Carpenter song sound nightmarish. Just like me, I long to be. Close to you. Tom, and it's not her fault. The person who typed up her speech on the teleprompter used all caps. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an annoying Valerie Bertinelli. By listening to Kimberly Guilfoyle's speech, we already know what it sounds like when Satan's demonic jizz scars one's vocal cords. <laughs> Yet she might seem very steady compared to her boyfriend, the namesake of the current Oval Office occupant, as we can see from this segment on Fox. There's literally zero evidence of, that it's Russian disinformation. The director of national intelligence said it, and by the way, more importantly, the FBI said it. And I don't say that because I think the FBI has more credibility. I say that because it's pretty clear that the FBI has done whatever they possibly could to hurt Donald Trump. So if they're even coming out and saying this, meaning the upper levels of the FBI, the door kickers love us, not so much the bureaucrats at the top. But if even they're coming out and saying, yeah, there's absolutely no evidence, you know, and that doesn't prevent Adam Schiff and MSDNC from being out there and peddling this thing as though it's real Russia disinformation. What you don't hear after that is he shouts into the camera, now will you love me, daddy? Now will you love me? I mean, if Kimberly Guilfoyle is all caps, Donald Trump Jr. is basically if a run-on sentence was a person. He's basically- he like, Does he have the same stylist as Bill Belichick? Except he doesn't cut off his sleeves. You know, when I listen to him, all I can remember from my youth is his words basically are what would be in the word balloon above Hubert. <laughs> all the ampersands and little little nonsense, total gibberish and nonsense. Things go on election night, get ready for talk about him running for, for president in four years. So the only thing to... I want to see him running is away from a, a, a Dodge Challenger running through crowd. <laughs> I was always confused between the two daughters-in-law, Lara and Vanessa. You know, mm -hmm. you know, Vanessa was the one married to Don Jr. And since they've split up, I know now that Vanessa is the hostage who's escaped. I mean, <laughs> Lara Trump's probably just happy to be you know, working on this campaign because it means she doesn't have to spend so much time with Eric. <laughs> Their stepmother. Um, I'm thinking she probably negotiated another... Uh, another settlement um, prenup last week, which then allowed her to go out on the trail. Yeah. Think about it. Wasn't the first, I didn't read the book, but the first prenup negotiation was over getting her son more rights to the family business, I believe, 
which I think is interesting yep. that she just wants to saddle him with bankruptcy. <laughs> as he needs as if he needs help. <laughs> as if that poor kid hasn't suffered enough. One of Donald Trump's lackeys in the United States Senate is Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader. As humorless and devoid of joy as one would be trying to take away health care from and deny COVID relief to Americans, he does attempt to let loose and have a laugh, as we can see from these clips. I was was shocked that uh, former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill those positions. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was in charge of the... uh, of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. I give, I, and uh, I will uh, give uh, you uh, full credit for that. Uh, and by uh, the way, take a bow. All right, that was a good line. The House passed a bill in May, and and this this the Senate went on vacation. I mean, you just don't do that. You you negotiate, Senator. It is a national crisis. I think JJ, Jeff, and Abby can attest to this. Doesn't that sound like? the sole laugh you hear at every single comedy open mic. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a cross between that and job of the hut. That's the booker's laugh when you're bombing, but he knows he still has to pay you. And he's like, just <laughs> trying to get the audience going. I think it's more like the first thing you'd hear waking up in an abandoned warehouse after the chloroform is worn off. <laughs> he was so anxious to take credit for the ill that he did. Hannity wasn't even asking him uh, for a procedural question. And he said, no, I know why, because I, I uh, didn't let anybody vote. And so he, uh, he, want, he wants the credit for his evil. You're, t- you're telling me he tried to outsleeze Sean Hannity and succeeded? I think so. That is, a, that is the scariest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. During the second and final debate, Donald Trump said he was the least racist person in the room. I'm still not sure what that sentence means. I think it means he's not racist because he has not used any of the racial slurs that he keeps tucked in a cavernous dungeon where, in most people's heads, a brain should be located. Aside from his father being arrested at a Klan rally, his family's organization being investigated by the Justice Department for denying housing to African Americans, insisting on the execution of the Central Park Five, five black defendants for a rape despite the fact they were proven innocent, starting his foray into politics by claiming he knew that Barack Obama wasn't born in this country, starting off his campaign calling Mexicans rapists, announcing a proposed Muslim ban, saying a judge shouldn't hear one of his lawsuits because he's Hispanic, enacting a Muslim ban, the Mexican and Central American migrant family separation policy, telling migrant families they have to wait in Mexico to claim asylum, trying to enact another Muslim ban after the courts ruled his first one unconstitutional, his statement that people waving swastika flags in Charlottesville were very fine people, referring to African and Caribbean countries as shitholes, retweeting a video where one of his supporters shouts white power, having staffers and high-ranking officials work for him, enacting racist policies, telling the racist group Proud Boys to stand by, Donald Trump may very well have been the least racist person in the room. Of course, tone deafness is not just synonymous with Trump, but with a good chunk of the Republican Party, as we can see from this excerpt from a Trump rally in Macon, Georgia, featuring their United States Senator, David Perdue. But the most insidious thing that Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are trying to perpetrate, and Bernie and Elizabeth and Kamala, or Kamala, or Kamala, 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 I don't know. Whatever. Now, guys... I'm just a dumb business guy from right over that hill right there. I think the only way he could have redeemed himself would have been if he'd said, I got to go. I think I'm having an aneurysm. 
That's his colleague. He knows her name. I mean, he's also the guy who added a bigger nose to his opponent and another racist Trump. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Isn't he the guy that also ran away from the last debate they were supposed to have? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a real leader. That's a real leader. He's learned a lot from Donald Trump. What's scary is I've done comedy in Macon, Georgia for the last 18 years. It's just frightening. Frightening. I mean, the, th the thought of actually going back there now, it's like... Ugh. I just think there's a lot of irony in her, him making fun of her name when the person he replaced was named Zaxby Shambliss. <laughs> of course, the ability to exploit white voters' fears of losing what they feel is a tight grasp on the form of the country they have known for years but does not exist anymore leads some Republican candidates to appeal to those concerns in campaign ads, as we can see in these TV spots from Kansas Republican Senate candidate Bob Hamilton. Bob Hamilton, not a career politician. Crazy idea. Stop borrowing money from China to pay for illegals from Mexico. Career politicians let China kill our jobs. And now, China's killing our people. Conservative Bob Hamilton. The media calls that racist. I call it the truth. Yeah, I think they use buzzwords like conservative businessman because you're not allowed to say fucking asshole on a primetime campaign ad. Well, what you're not aware of was he was, they, this is the entire third act that they cut out from the show on Broadway, Hamilton. So, yeah. <laughs> now, he may lose tonight to a female legislator. I think he may, he may lose his I think he's already lost his primary, from what I understand. He definitely lost his marbles. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he wins, he still loses. No, it's the other racist idiot in in Kent who lost that primary. It's not him. It's so hard to keep them on the track, you know. Yeah, it's not. No, it's the other one. It's the other one. They keep who looks probably just like him. They don't think it's 2020. They think it's 1920, just after another pandemic. I mean, that's that's really when they think America was great, back when everybody was dying. And women were just housewives. The desire to play on angry white voters is not a new phenomenon. As we can see in this 2010 ad, emphasizing an English-only platform from Alabama Republican gubernatorial candidate Tim James. I'm Tim James. Why do our politicians make us give driver's license exams in 12 languages? This is Alabama. We speak English. If you want to live here, learn it. We're only giving that test in English, if I'm governor. Maybe it's the businessman in me, but we'll save money. And it makes sense. Does it to you? Someone should have told him that you don't have to take all 12 versions of the exam. You know, you can just take the one. I can't keep cheating off the guy next to me 12 different times. <laughs> Maybe that's why he looks down reflexively in this ad before he says, does it to you? You know, he's waiting for someone to smack him upside the head. Does he, does he think uh, stop is in different languages too? You know what? He should be the governor of, of Hawaii because uh, aloha means like so many different things. You know, it's conservative. Me, well, this way you look, if that's what you're concerned about, one word does 12 things. Next. <laughs> I voted absentee for the first time this year. I miss going to my local polling place. I don't care about the candidates or the issues. 
I just like that it's the one day of the year where I can go to my local high school and not look like a creep. When I dropped my ballot off at my county board of elections office, everyone applauded. It made me feel good about myself because it was a life-affirming moment, as it was an applause larger and louder than any I'd ever received at a comedy open mic. Now I've come to the conclusion that I like the idea of taking my vote to the local board of elections, as I no longer have to listen to some redneck interrupt his chewing tobacco break tell me about some fuckwit for whom I never planned to vote in the first place. Of course, sending your ballot through the mail has its challenges, as we can see from this CBS News clip. If you know how to mail a letter, you already know how to mail in your vote. How you doing? Thank you very much. But how long might it take for that vote to actually arrive and be counted? Have a good afternoon. We decided to test it, sending 100 mock ballots simulating 100 voters from locations all across Philadelphia to a P.O. box we set up to represent a local election office. In the following week, we checked our P.O. box for the results. Mail pickup notice, there's more. When we went to collect everything, though, Nothing? most of our votes seem to be lost. That's all I have back there right now. But that's you're sure? Huh? You're, you're totally sure? I believe you. All right, good. Have a good day. Okay, take care. We had to ask for a manager. We're trying to do something about mailing ballots. And explain ourselves before someone finally found our votes. We soon discovered another problem, missorted mail, two pieces of it. We got a birthday card from Mike to Ronnie. Have a sweet B-Day. Get it? There's a B on top. The future of voting in this country, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I know that's not, that wasn't a real polling place. That was done as just a test. And presumably actual ballots would be marked with the, with the official uh, ballot envelope. Right. But, but still, I mean, I... I just find that absolutely disturbing. Well, I think that's why you're seeing such long lines is I think that this this whole thing backfired in a good way for the Democrats is that they, you know, he made it such a deal about and then you put that idiot in charge of the Postal Service who should have been there. They closed down the sorting machines. So everybody's like, OK, fine, I'll just go and vote in person. So, it, you know, that that whole scare tactic, while obviously it's working because it's not working, the post office. It just means more people are showing up in person. If you prevent someone from wanting to do something, they'll work that much harder to do it. And I think right. voting is uh, is key. I hate how condescending that news clip is. If you know how to mail a letter, then you know how to mail a ballot. Of course I know how to mail a letter. I'm 75 years old. <laughs> <laughs> We're the Forgot- only people who know how to, to mail letters. There's people over 65. I forgot why I came in the room just now, but I know how to mail a letter. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go pee while I do it, but. And on that note, that's our show. Please join me in thanking our guests, Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, JJ Boyd, and Susan Turnbull. And before I go, a final thought. I know there's a good chance that Donald Trump may win re-election. I'm expecting it so much that if he loses, I will feel grateful. About as grateful as when I order fries from Burger King and they throw in an onion ring by mistake. You didn't order any onion rings. Hell, you may not even like them. But seeing that one solitary onion ring makes you feel ecstatic and gives you hope. Anyway, thank you for tuning into what may be the last episode of this podcast before Donald Trump decides to shut down all internet access and thus all podcasts in what will become known as the great Trumper tantrum of 2020. Goodbye.
This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and J.J. Boyd, and guest Susan Turnbull. Theme music by Jerome Vandenjerk. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. <laughs> Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.